Good morning, good afternoon. Thank you all for tuning in once again to the show Last Word Productions. As you all know, I'm your host, Tavares, and I always get the last word. Thank y'all again for tuning in once more time, but we're going to jump straight into it, y'all. I know it's been a while since y'all seen me on YouTube, but I will be back uploading YouTube content. I'm trying to build through there, try to get all going strong on there, things of that nature. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. So I'm going to start with the NBA news because there's a lot of things that transpired that the NBA related and that has transpired since the last time we all spoke. But let's jump right into it. As we all know now, Steph Curry and Golden State Warriors are officially world champions once again. Curry and the Warriors, they've now made, I believe it's been five finals within the past last eight years. He's won four of those finals and he simply has catapulted himself into the top 10 conversations list or ranking, I should say. Now, the question is today and what we're going to be discussing, is he a solidified, bona fide top 10 player? And I'm going to give you all my opinion on that. Always, as always, guys, please, please be sure to like, subscribe, comment to the channel on YouTube and be sure to tune in as well on any platform you can read or watch podcasts, listen to podcasts, just to say, excuse me. Whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, anywhere you can listen to a podcast, 9 out of 10 times, I'm there. But in my personal opinion, I do not believe Steph Curry is a top 10 player. And it's not because he does not have the resume to be on the top 10 of all time rankings. Steph Curry is a back-to-back MVP, unanimous MVP, the only one in NBA history. As we all know, he's the greatest of all time. Four championship rings, just got his first finals MVP. He's a guy that has a two-time scoring leader, led the league in steals, all of these great things about him. But why would I say he's not a top 10 player all time? Well, it's simply put, even with all of that going in, Steph Curry is one of nine players that have either multiple MVPs and multiple, you know, finals MVPs. I believe the other eight are as follows goes, Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, I believe is also not it's not Kobe. Uh, the, the names I can't really catch him right now for some strange reason, but he's one of nine players that has that accolade or that accomplishment to his name. Now, when I look at my top ten, and I look at guys like Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Shaq. I look at guys like Will, Hakeem, Tim Duncan. That was another guy. And I look at guys like Kobe, Oscar Robinson. I mean, Bill Russell. I look at those guys. That's about 11 players right there. And I'm looking like, who am I taking out to put Steph over? And I just don't see the person I'm taking out of that list to put Steph Curry. And the reason being, in the large portion for me, of the game is on the defensive side of the end. And he, in my personal opinion, Steph Curry has been just too much of a defensive liability of his career for me to say this guy should surpass Wilt Chamberlain or Hakeem Olajuwon, like one of these all-time great bigs, or even a guy like Oscar Robinson in the all-time rankings because he's this spectacular. He may be the office of better offensive player than those guys, but the overall talent, I don't think he's a better overall talent or player than any of those guys. 
I think it's not close at all who is better defender between him and guys like Wilton. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon. But when it comes to a guy like Oscar Roberts, another guy who wasn't really known for his defense, what separates them for me? Well, Oscar may not have been a defender, but he's a little better defender than Steph. He was a better playmaker, better rebounder. And I believe all in all, he was a way better floor general as in handling the ball and orchestrating the offense. That's that's not what Steph do. It's not that he can't, but that's not what he that's not his strong suit. His strongest suit is playing off the ball, moving without the ball, getting set up, you know, beating someone, isolation, if he has a mismatch, things of that nature. He's not the guy you want bringing the ball up court and, you know, simply making the offense run, basically. And I just don't believe that's him. I believe Oscar Robinson could do that. Excuse me one second. I believe Oscar Robinson could do that, but I do not believe Steph Curry can. That's why I have trouble putting him in my top 10 because it's it's those little things like the defensive side, like being able to have the ball in your hand and, you know, basically orchestrate a team throughout a game, especially when need be. Those little things is what separates those guys, in my personal opinion, from Steph Curry. And I just believe unless by miracle he can end up winning about two more rings and he wins another MVP for me personally, that's the only way. If he gets another ring, he matches Kobe or Jordan or something like that. He gets another Finals MVP, two or three. I mean, one or two, excuse me. Then, I, I did, undeniably, he'll be a top 10 player all the time. Undeniably. But as it stands now, I can't give that to him. That's my personal opinion. I wouldn't be upset at anyone who believes Steph Curry is a top 10 player all the time. I can't argue it because he has the resume. He has the accolades. I can't argue that. But in my personal opinion, I just don't have him there. Now, in other news, as we all know, Kyrie Irving is having a bit of a, I wouldn't say it's a debacle with the Nets, but he is in a weird space right now because by all reports, it is saying that he's either going to walk or he's going to be extended. He's not, with his player with his player option coming up, it does not seem to be indicated at all that he plans on opting into the contract. It seems as if he's going to either test the waters or he's going to sign a new deal with the Nets. Now, if I'm the Nets, simply put, I don't give him nothing. I mean, this guy has failed this team to show up and give them exactly what they paid for each season he's been there, the last two years. No, not even two years, the last three years, excuse me. Because the first season he was there, Kevin Durant was hurt the whole year. Second season, that's when they went and got James Harden, didn't work out. Now this year, he missed half the season basically because of the he didn't, his, you know, his own personal reasons and his own personal choice to not get the COVID vaccine. And again, I applauded Steph, not Steph, Kyrie Irving for his choice to not get vaccinated. Because at the end of the day, if you do not want to be vaccinated, that is your choice. I don't feel as if any person, any player in this world should be forced to take a vaccination shot that they do not want. It's purely your choice. I don't want anyone feeling as if they have to take anything because they don't. 
But at the end of the day, in that same breath, that does not take away the fact that he was not there for his team to help them finish with a better seeding so they could possibly have not played the Celtics. He didn't help them in in that breath at all. Or did he contribute to an elite level that we've seen from him in the past postseasons, in the postseason previously? I mean, they got swept by a Boston Celtics team that, granted, did go on to the NBA Finals. But this is a Boston Celtics team that, going into the season, if you would have said you had the Nets versus the Celtics first round, you, nope. The only people to pick Boston win that series is Boston fans. They end up sweeping them. And Kyrie Irving played terrible the last, I believe, two games. Miss in the last game, he shot under twenty five percent from the floor, so it it wasn't good at all. I mean, it it just wasn't. And if I'm the Nets man, I'm letting him go. I don't I don't see what true benefit he will bring me anymore. He's listen when Kyrie Irving is on the floor when he's healthy when he's actually upright, he is easily a top twenty five, top twenty player in the league. No question about that. He's one of the better offensive players this game has ever seen. No question about that. But at the end of the day, availability is the best ability. You have to be able to be on the court and play. You you just have to. And Kyrie Irving has went one season. I believe it was one season where he's played 65 or more games. One. He's been in the league for almost a decade. He's been... Only played one season where he's played 65 or better games. That is it. He's done that one time. It's At some point, for just having the dazzling plays and big explosive games is not good enough. You need this guy to be on the court each and every night if he can be. Because simply put, we are investing so much into you to the point we... At this point, we need a return on investment. I'm all for players getting their money. I'm all for players. I'm a player first before team kind of mentality guy. That's always the person I've been. At any day, all these people are human. But at the same time, it's still his duty and his job to go out there and give this organization and the fans and his teammates a fighting chance because that's what you're literally paid to do. That's just my opinion on that. But at the end of the day, Kyrie Irving is an extremely talented player. He will find another home. There's always room for talent of his stature in the league. You know, we're just going to let him sit on the streets. But I think his days are getting like long deals, like four or five year lengths. I think those days are gone because teams see across the league who exactly who he is. You can't depend on him. Whether it's via injury or his personal life, you can't depend on him. But with all that being said, let's get into some more NBA news. And we're going to revert back to the NBA championship. And I want to speak on a couple of players, specifically Jeremiah Green and Andrew Wiggins specifically. Now, I know Jeremiah Green was receiving a lot of flight for his poor performances in the finals. Outside of his, the last two games they played, which they ended up winning three straight against Boston, which was crazy to me in my own personal opinion. But... I will say this. Jeremiah Green showed life in those last two games. He finished both games with double digits. He shot better than 60% from the field in both games. 
He seemed more aggressive. He seemed like he actually was looking to score when given opportunity. And that's all people wanted to see out of him. And the thing with I heard so many people saying, I don't know why people expected Draymond to be the scorer. He's never been a scorer. No one is expecting Draymond to be a scorer. But people are expecting him to take the opportunities when they present themselves. At the end of the day, you're you're a professional basketball player. At the end of the day, that's what you are. If you have an open lane to get a dunk or easy layup or a slightly contested layup, you 10 out of 10 times as an NBA caliber player need to take you. Just it's that simple. You you can't continuously look to pass the ball out to shooters on the boundary or hoping someone cuts behind somebody because this dude pressed up too hard on the perimeter, whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, you have to look to create those opportunities yourself as well. And that is something that I believe Draymond Green needed to improve on and get better at. And I'm, I'm glad he actually started to get better at it because... If it were to continue the way it was going, in all honesty, I don't see how Draymond Green would have made it out of that arena if they would have lost those games at going to stay alive. Because at the end of the day, the dude simply was not playing like his former self. But again, congratulations to him. He pulled it off. He actually did something that a lot of people said he couldn't do, which was just simply be better. People thought that he his decline was here. They didn't think they was going to ever get this old Draymond Green that we once saw. But fact of the matter remains, he he showed up. He played his best ball when they needed him most. I can't take that from him. I'm not the biggest Draymond Green supporter or Draymond Green fan. But at the end of the day, I give credit where credit is due. And, and that's that's simply how who I am and how I always operated. So I'm going to give him that at the very least. But... With all that being said, I believe the next thing for me is the fact that I want to get into a little bit, a little bit of something called the error and flaws of fans in the NBA. And what do I mean by that, guys? I'm gonna tell y'all real quick what I mean by that. What I mean by that is this: a lot of people started to put Jason Tatum on this pedestal. Let me let me say this first. I'm not giving him any excuses for the way he performs in the finals. I'm not. I'm not one of those guys that's saying people need to realize LeBron James at what are you, uh, 22, at 22, 23, did this in the finals. Listen, LeBron was dealing with something completely unrelated to basketball off the court that would have anyone out of their right mind. Do not compare the two. Jason Tatum simply did not show up. And fact of the matter is, if you look at the way he progressed through the playoffs, he got statistically worse in each series he played. Just go back and go to the Brooklyn series, to the Bucks series, and to the Heat series. Each series, he progressively got worse. It's just this final series... Put the nail in the coffin, basically, for him. And for me, I said I'd have to say this. Jason T- the Jason Tatum top five arguments has to be halted. They have to stop. I'm not saying Jason Tatum won't ever be top five. But I'm sorry. A guy going out there shooting six for 17 every other night, 
the man looked like he averaged about 12 turnovers a game. I know that's an exaggeration, but he his handling of the ball, his inability to orchestrate an offense was very, very apparent in this previous series, in this final series. It was horrible for him. And the fact that he literally seemed timid at times was the most shocking part to me and the most upsetting part because this is a guy that you know came in so young so talented you want to see him be great and take the lead by his horns and grab it by the throat kind of deal but he simply looked like the moment was too big in a lot of key moments in games even if you look at the last game six I thought Jalen Brown played one hell of a game. I think he was the only reason why that game at any point was even winnable. Him and Al Horford, Al Horford late in the third quarter, I believe it was, when he made like two, two, three threes in that period where he literally outscored the the entire starting five outside of Jalen Brown himself. I thought, I thought Al Horford played phenomenal. And they looked as if they really wanted it but the problem was they were the only guys playing with that intensity Marcus Smart made a few shots down the stretch as well but throughout the game he he just was not getting what the looks he was getting previous series because they they didn't play Marcus Smart as if he was a scorer but they respected him more if that makes sense they respected the fact that this guy can make shots if given them they gave him they they didn't just give him free looks more often than not. They had a hand in his face on catch-and-shoot opportunities or someone closing out to him to make him pass it out, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, the Jason Tatum top five argument has to stop. And I'm going to go a step further. Because I said this before. I actually said this on this very same podcast. And if you're tuning in right now, please, screen record this, screenshot this, Write this down, quote me, whatever you want to do. I said this once, I will say it again. I believe when it's all said and done, Jalen Brown will be a better player than Jason Tatum. I believe Jalen Brown, if then now, this is the if part. If he receives the opportunity to grow into a first option role, I believe he would it be exactly what James Harden was to Russell Westbrook. Not to say that I believe James Harden was is better than I believe Pete I believe Pete Westbrook is better than what Pete Harden was, but it was a hell of a debate between who was better than who at their best. I believe that same debate will happen with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum if Jalen Brown ever receives the opportunity to grow into a number one option role. I truly believe that. And the last game they played just solidified everything I needed to know and I already thought of the two. Because, listen, I know people will say it's one game. It doesn't change who they are, who they've been all season. Listen to me. Since February, Jalen Brown was playing on par, if not outplaying Jason Tatum. Since February. you Go look at the numbers. We can look at the numbers ourselves. Fact check me. Go check it out. Since February, he's been playing on par, if not better, than Jason Tatum. And then on top of all that, I believe he's more athletic than Tatum is. I believe he's a better shot creator than Tatum is. I do believe Jason Tatum is a better rebounder and a slightly better playmaker. He's not that much better of a playmaker, but he's slightly better at it. 
But I believe all of that comes from the fact that he is asked to do more as their best player, as it stands on the Celtics. If Jalen Brown, remember, beginning of the season, Jalen Brown was out playing Jason Tatum pretty damn badly to the point that people started to question, well, should this guy be the number one option? It's the talent and the ability is there. He just has not been able to capitalize and hone in on his skill set because he has yet to be given the opportunity to grow into a number one scoring option role. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts, if he's given that opportunity, Jalen Brown could grow into that role. There's no doubt in my mind about that. It's all about if he can get it, though. That's the only thing. And to make a long story short, though, I truly believe Jason Tatum, in order for him to succeed, I don't think he can be the best player on the championship team as it stands now. I don't... If let's say figuratively speaking, Jason Tatum doesn't progress or grow as a player at all for the next ten years, I don't think he can win the ring with the way he plays and the way he is now. I think he will need to have a one A one B kind of player. I just don't believe Jalen Brown is a one A one B player. I think he's a guy that can legitimately grow into being a number one. He doesn't need a one B. And if people take that as crazy talk, then so be it. But that last game six, again, it showed me all I need to show. I seen who wanted it more. I seen who was willing to go under the, the bright lights and play through everything, play through the whistle. I seen it. We seen it. Let's not lie to ourselves because Jason Tatum made the first All-NBA team because he's a guy who is giving you 20, 24 points per night. Let's not lie to ourselves. The guy who came through when needed most was JB. It was Jalen Brown. But that's my thoughts on that. So let's go ahead. Excuse me one second, guys. Let's go ahead and get into the NFL news because other than some Lakers news about their head coaching, how they hired someone for the head coaching job and I'm I'm not I'm not gonna speak on that until the rest of the offseason begins. So I get my thoughts on the offseason in its entirety. That's why I didn't touch on that this episode. But once the offseason officially begins and moves are made for team to teams, I will start indulging and you know speaking on those things from then. But as it stands now, I want to go into the NFL news and the NFL news is not really much out there. Except for the fact that NFL season started to be upon us. And OTAs have come and gone. Now we in, I believe I believe OTAs is done, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they start training camp this month if they haven't already. But long story short though, I'm gonna give you guys my way too early predictions to win their divisions. But how I'm going to do it, I'm going to do one conference this episode, I'm going to do the next conference next episode. So this episode, I'm going to do the AOC conference. And I'm going to start with the AOC West. Excuse me. As you all know, that's the Chiefs, Chargers, <clears throat> the Broncos, and the Raiders. So, in my personal opinion, if I had to pick... I, by the way, I believe the AOC West is by far the best division in football. I would not be shocked at all 
if three of those teams made the playoffs. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if four of them made the playoffs because I'm not that high on the Raiders, but for some reason, they seem to be competitive each and every season. I don't know. And the fact that they added Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones scares the hell out of me. But let me go ahead and give you all my prediction. I believe wins that division. I do, in my heart of hearts, believe the Chargers will win that division. I I don't believe the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs how like some people predicted they will be. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is too damn good to miss the playoffs. But the Chargers, especially on paper, may be the most talented and well-equipped team in the entirety of the league. And I don't, frankly, it's not really that close. If we're, if we're thinking about it, just look at it. Just look at their defensive side, they, what they've done. When they got, you already had an all-pro talented safety in Derrick James. Already had Joey Bosa. Put Khalil Mack on the other side of him. When they got J.C. Jackson, got Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, this is a team that is ready to just explode when comes the actual season. This is a team that has a young phenom in Justin Herbert, a guy who I've said on multiple occasions on this show, I do believe is the best quarterback from his draft class. I think he's better than Tua for sure, and I think he's better than Joe Burrow. I think he's the best out of that draft class. I said when he came out of the draft, do not be shocked if this guy ends up the best quarterback in this draft. And that's exactly what he's become. Now, with that being said, the Broncos will be competitive as well. But I remember, um, by the way, if you guys don't check us out, Inch by Inch Podcast, we'd be live on YouTube. Me and two other content creators on TikTok that I actually met. One named King Stairs, the other one named Mr. Alex Harden. Y'all go follow them. Get them a follow and watch their content. But I predicted that the Broncos will be competitive, but I do believe they're going to finish the year pretty damn badly because they got a tough – they last – I can't remember the opponents exactly – but I know they had, I know they had two division games for certain. I know they had the Cardinals. I know they had the 49ers, I believe. And they had they they last six games on remaining on their schedule is brutal. And the way Russell Wilson always been, always has been for some strange reason. Whenever Russell Wilson, towards the end of the year, for some reason he just plays beneath himself. Like it, it for me. It was apparent for me that one year where he just, I believe it was about three years ago, he just unleashed on the NFL world. And he was by far and large, just by everyone's standard, the runaway MVP for the first like four or five weeks of football. We get towards the middle of the year, towards the end, he just started to decline drastically. And I was just like, "What's, what's going on? And it's not like it's like a small decline. No, it's through the through week the week from like week six to week twelve. His his downgrade of play is just a it, it's precipitous. Like he, it literally just gets worse and worse and worse. And I can't explain it. But with those last six games, I don't see the winner of the division. If he could maintain his level of play, I can see him winning it. But right now, I got the Chargers winning that division. AFC North, as we all know, we got the Browns, Ravens, Steelers. Then we got the defending Super Bowl AFC representatives, the Bengals. 
Now let me give you, I'm gonna give you two answers because I believe if the Browns have Deshaun Watson the entire year, I believe they win the division. They got the best roster in that division, along with, in my personal opinion, the best quarterback in the division. I believe they win the division. But if Deshaun Watson has some as some reports that have came out, if he is suspended. For, it doesn't even matter the length for me. Because that division is going to be so competitive. But let's say he suspended about eight weeks, right? They don't make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs. If they suspended for eight weeks, they don't make, not only do they not make the playoffs, I will have the Ravens winning that division. The Ravens are coming back healthy. They went and got some good free agent pickups, as like who are safety and Marcus Williams, who I've told people for multiple years now, I thought he was legit coming out of Utah, and I think he still is legit. I don't, I know he made a few head scratching plays throughout his career, but this guy can play ball. He's a good, he's a damn good safety. You get that, you get the team back coming back healthy. Whether it's Marlon Humphrey, whether it's offensive linemen, whether it's the entire running back group, basically, this team is going to be scary to play. They're they're going to be scary to play for a lot of people. But then after that, the Steelers, I can see the Steelers being competitive because they're just a well-coached team, even though I do believe Mike Tomlin is overrated, but they, he is a decent coach. I don't believe he's otherworldly like a lot of people claim he is, but they have a well-enough coach team to be competitive each and every week. They got one of the best defensive players in the league in T.J. Watt. Mika Fitzpatrick, who, again, as a Dolphins fan, I told people, Make it one day it was gonna be an all pro caliber safety. Now I look at him. No one wanted to listen to me at the time, but that, again, it is what it is. Let the past be the past. But I just do not believe in any quarterback on that roster. I don't believe in Kenny Pickett, and I for damn sure don't believe in Mitch Trubisky. I don't care who they got trying out there on Sundays. I do not believe either one of those guys will get the job done. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I know. I know people want to believe in them, but I just don't see it. And as far as the Bengals go, the Bengals are going to be competitive. But I think last year, they honestly caught lightning in a bottle. I don't believe the Bengals will be what they were last year. I could very much be wrong. I could. Because a lot of people last season said the Bengals were going to be terrible last year. And they ended up being the representative of the AFC Dem Conference. And they nearly won the Super Bowl. But in my personal opinion... I don't see it happening again this year. So, we just went through the West and the North. So, my two winners so far, we got, excuse me, the Chargers. And we got the Browns. And pending, if Deshaun Watson suspended, we got the Ravens. Excuse me. Now, let's go into the AFC East, where my team, the Miami Dolphins, are located, along with the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, and the New England Patriots. And... I'm going to be honest with you guys, the Bills win the division. I think the Bills on paper, just like I said about the Chargers, may very well be the best team in the entirety of the NFL. To me, in my personal opinion, I do not believe it's very much debatable for, for them because at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, I do believe the Bills have the best quarterback in the division they have the best receiver in the division. They have the best offense. They have the best 
Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry for that, guys. Something just happened to my phone. But they have the best defense in the division. It's not much. It's not much that's preventing them from winning the division. It makes a long story short. And just added Vaughn Miller to all of that. And they went out and get drafted Zach Moss. I mean, not Zach Moss. Um... James Cook, I don't know why. I think. Zach Moss on the team too, but I got them too confused for some reason. But James Cook, who I thought was a very, very slept-on player coming into the draft, I'm sorry, they they got it, man. But if they don't win the division, I like our chances. I think we could be just as competitive. All the off-season moves we made, whether it was Tyreek Hill, whether it was Teron Armstead, going to get Carter Williams. Things of that nation, the emerging talent we have on the roster. I think it is time for Miami to take that next step. And I've said this once, I say it again. This is Tua's last season to show what he can do. Like it or not, fair or unfair, life ain't fair. It does not matter. We all have a job, and when you don't do your job correctly, guess what? You got to go. I mean, how many people you know can work a job for three years, do it subpar or at best the at best do the bare minimum job or mediocre job at what they do and keep their job? Doesn't work that way. That's not how life works. So that's why I am shocked why so many people are surprised at times when I say this is to a last stick, his last chance, but doesn't happen this season, it's wraps. That's why I'm surprised by a lot of people being surprised that I say that. But at the end of the day, this is last chance. You got everything around him to succeed. Two really, really damn good receivers in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. You got a, a damn sure good tight end. In my personal opinion, I said Mike Gazeki is a top five tight end. And then you got to improve and very much improve offensive line. All it is now, bro, is on you. There is no more excuses. There isn't. The excuses are no longer going to be there. No one can scream the offensive line is terrible. No one can scream the receivers suck. No one can scream the running backs suck because they went out and got you three brand new running backs with a fullback. No more excuses, bro. It's time to put up a shut up. It's that simple. Now, with all that being said, I do believe the Jets finished last in the division with the Patriots at third at the third spot. So now, last we got the AFC South. We got the Tennessee Titans. We got the Colts. We got <clears throat> Jaguars. And we who's the last team in that division? I said Colts, Jaguars, Titans. For the life of me, I cannot think of the last team in that division. This this really, I really can't think of the last team in that division. Colts. I got I got to look it up now, guys. Hold on. Give me one second. It's going to kill me if I can't remember. AFC South. Coach Texans. There we go. Oh, my God. I, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. The Texans. My apologies. But in my personal opinion, I think it's clear as day the Colts win the division. The, the Titans have lost way too much. Whether it was Julio, A.J. Brown... They don't have a number one receiver on that roster. They don't. They tight end group ain't been the same since Delaney Walker left. And Jonu Smith was the closest thing they had, and he left. It's not there no more. It's, it's just not there. But at the end of the day, 
the Colts and the Titans, Texans, Jags, all know Derrick Henry is back. He's healthy. And whenever 22 steps on the field, the Titans have a chance. They do. With that offensive line, they, they have a chance. Because with him, it helps them control the pace of games. It helps them dictate what the team offense, the other team offense would do. Because if he's going for 200 some yards, nine out of 10 times, you can't afford to run the ball. You become one dimensional because you got to keep up with their scoring and their pace. And that's just going to help out and work out in their favor. But at the end of the day, I do believe the Colts win that division. I think Matt Ryan comes in and be, and he's an immediate upgrade over Carson Wentz. I think Matt Ryan is better than Carson Wentz. I'm not that big on Matt Ryan, but I'm not big at all on Carson Wentz. Even if even if I don't believe Michael Pittman Jr. is the number one, I think Matt Ryan can make it work because he's made it work with less literally just this past season. And their defense is still damn good. They probably got arguably the best inside linebacker in the league. And I just believe that this is a team that is just on the upright going to be better. And that's it for the AFC. So you guys got my prediction. So AFC North, I said the Browns and pending on Deshaun Watson though. If not Browns, I had Ravens. Then with the Bills, I got them winning the AFC East. Then I got in the AFC West, I got the Chargers winning that. Then the AFC South, I got the Colts winning that. Now, with all that being said, it's time to get into the fan Q&A, ladies and gentlemen. We got our 40-minute mark right now, so let's go ahead and get started. So, this first question comes from a good friend of mine named Dad Marino. He asks, will Tariq impact the Dolphins receiving unit in a good or bad way and why? So, for starters, first things first. He can only impact the receiver unit in a good way. There is no bad thing about Tyreek Hill being on the field for the Miami Dolphins. Because he's going to do two things for you. He's going to open up the box. And he's going to open up any intermediate and short passes. Because even if people do not believe Tua Tagovailoa is not a guy who will throw the ball deep. All you need to do is throw the ball 20, 25, 30 yards. If y'all telling me Tua can't make a 30-yard throw, then, hey, more power to y'all. But I know the dude can at least make that. Now, we get in the 40-plus ranges, eh, maybe. But a 30-yard throw, he can make that. Without question, he can make that. But he's going to make teams respect the deep threat. He's going to. So what does that do for guys like it? Jalen Waddle or even Cedric Wilson or Mike Gazicki. It opens up everything else that's within 15 to 18 yards. Everything would be single coverage or a zone. Pick your spots and let him pick it apart. So Tyreek Hill is going to do nothing but be impactful in a great way, not just good for the Miami Dolphins. So this next question comes from Fernando Torres. He says, will Derek Carr and Devontae Adams break the touchdown record? Absolutely not. I believe Devontae Adams and Derek Carr will be formidable as a duo, but they're not breaking no damn touchdown record. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that, my man. This next question comes from Nan Martinez. Who should the Heat prioritize in the offseason? That is obviously a good question. Now, if I'm the Miami Heat, right, there are 
three players I'm putting on my radar and I'm doing whatever it takes to go get one of these three players. The first player is Paul George. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, but Paul George just signed a contract. Things are... Listen, Paul George on the Miami Heat right now, he will help provide. And if, if you all do not know, P.J. Tucker actually opt out of his $7.6 million contract. So that means he's a free agent now. So the Heat need another forward. But with that being said, you could get Paul George. He could come in and be a small forward. You can move move someone else to play power forward. They have other guys on the roster. And they need they need desperately another shot creator on their team. That's what they need the absolute most. They do not have another shot creator outside of Jimmy Butler on their team. Tyler Hero is okay at creating his own shot. But the issue with Tyler Hero is that he's too wildly inconsistent. I know PJ, not PJ Tucker. I know Paul George isn't the most consistent player in the league, but you would know what you're getting out of him versus Tyler Hero on every given night. You just would. There's no denying that. Don't let the injuries fool y'all. But the next player I got in mind, if I'm the Heat, I really consider going after Rudy Gobert. I know, I know a lot of people are going to say that's crazy talk. They got bam, things like that. This is the issue. Bam Adebayo is a natural power forward. That's what he is and what he plays. He's not a center. He plays center for the Heat because he's the best big man they have. That's why he's at the five. That's it. If you put a true center in, like Rudy Gobert, who will force Bam back to the four, defend forwards, which he can do at a very high level, and give them that elite rim protection... With both of them, their defense will be even better than what it was this year. I believe that's a possibility for them. If they don't want to, I can understand why. Because that's not their biggest need. But that is something I think that would help them and Bam out of bio personally. Now, the third player, and the obvious one for me, is <clears throat> excuse me, is Spider Mitchell. I believe that Donovan Mitchell comes in, gives them that much-needed shot creator, and he gives them that edge of a true number one scorer because as much as I love Jimmy Butler he's not a guy who can be your number one option every single night as we all seen he he gets he grows tired throughout games and throughout series and he also he plays so hard to the point when he's the only guy that's truly producing he's going to leave everything out on the floor he, he is a great athlete. I'm not taking that from Jimmy, but he has not shown those, those like, sustainability or stamina-like kind of traits that a Steph Curry or LeBron James have to go each and every night dropping 25, 30-plus with ease. That's that's not who he is. And I believe Adam Donovan Mitchell will take a huge load off of him. So, I believe those are three players that he should prioritize getting this offseason. But thank you guys for your questions. Hey, again, if you guys ever want to ask me anything, any questions, leave, leave your questions under this post. Or feel free to go comment on my Q&A post I make each and every Monday. I post it on YouTube on my shorts and I post it on Facebook on my own personal page. Each and every Monday I post it. Post your questions there or post them under this video. I will get back to them. But that's all I got today for you guys. Thank y'all for tuning in once again to the show. 
your host, Tavares Wilson. Y'all be sure to follow me everywhere I'm on. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. You can find me, Last Word Productions, always. Thank y'all. Y'all have a great one. I'll see y'all in the next one.